Ready, Will? Look relaxed. Just enjoy it, okay? Enjoy the process. So, welcome to Echo Online Service. We are so excited you are joining us today. <laughs> today you get to hear Pastor Andy and Christy in our new series called Home Base, all about relationships. I don't know about you, but I am always open to learning more on how to have healthy relationships, from friendships to workplace to marriage. We all need a little help. Today we focus on how to fight fair. Man, you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, mm -hmm. and we are putting together some gifts for the mental health professionals in our community. Yep. As we are well aware, mm -hmm. mental health professionals have been through a very difficult yeah. and busy season. Mm -hmm. We want to show them some appreciation, mm -hmm. some kindness, yep. and some encouragement this month. Yeah. So if you would like to partner with us for this project, you can select a generous line item when giving on our website mm -hmm. or through the Church Center app. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for being a part of our Echo fam. We hope you enjoy Echo Online Service. Bye! Goodbye! <laughs> Good morning, Echo Church.
and we just lift up every prayer request in this room, God, we need you. God, I pray right now for the closeness in this room, God, I pray right now for every single person, the situation that they came in with God, the chaos of this morning, God, I pray right now that we can just draw close to you, God, I pray for clarity. I pray for your words to be louder than the chaos in our minds, God. And right now I just pray for every single person represented in this room, God, I pray for peace. And I just pray right now that you will use our lives, God, that we can be a vessel. I pray that we are walking around with just an eternal joy that surpasses all circumstances, God. And I just thank you for this opportunity to praise your name, to draw closer, God, that you are a God who never gives up on us. And I just pray right now for every single person today that we can just open our hands and give you our burdens and give you our fear, give you our weaknesses, God, that you are a God that pours your oil over us. You pour life into us, Jesus. And I just pray for your words, God, that they are true and that they are powerful, God. And I just pray that you will set us apart, that you will separate us from the craziness sometimes that we feel, God. And I just lift up every single person in this room. I thank you for their life. I thank you for this gift to come and worship you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Good morning, Echo Church. How are you? At this time, we get to do one of our very favorite things here at Echo. We get to dedicate some children. Yes. So, yes, you can clap. I'd love it for the families that are participating right now for child dedication to just come forward. You can come line up in front of this stage. Let's clap for them as they come up. Sam, you can come on up. All right, so we have had a lot of children being born. We have some COVID babies up here. Yes. Yes, you can keep spreading out. You can go that way. You guys are doing great. Good job, Nora. We're proud of you. Yes. All right. I think we're good. So child dedication is extremely special to us for many reasons, but... I think it's just super powerful to come together as a church body to support these families and just to honestly dedicate these children to Jesus and to this community and to Echo Church. And because if I could be honest about one thing, being a mom of three, we need all the help we can get. Amen? Amen. So there's a lot of biblical references on why we dedicate children, and we're going to share a little bit about that today. But here at Echo, we look at children as being curators of tomorrow. That's one of our our actual just key, just, yes, I love it. She's saying yes. But that's one of our key values here at Echo. And we look at children, and I think a lot of times I've used the phrase that they are our future heroes. But I look at them right now, and they already are that. They are world changers today, and they teach us lessons who we are and who we're not every single day. And so if I have learned one thing, we need God in the mix of raising these kids to support us and to celebrate. And so let's just cheer here for Sam. She's our next generation pastor. She shares a little with you. Thanks, girl. Thank you. So the Bible um, is very clear on the importance of children. So I'm just going to read a little bit. I'm out of Psalm 127.1, and it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So we can build our children up in a lot of ways, right? We can teach them responsibility. We can teach them discipline. We can affirm and affirm and affirm. But the Bible says that if we do not create a foundation of faith, all of that work is in vain. So that's what we want to do today. We want to create this foundation of faith. And then verse 3 and 4, it says, Children are a heritage from the Lord. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children in one's youth. This right here, this is the Lord's inheritance, what you see in front of us. Amen. Is that not so amazing? Yes. And so we want to make sure that we, as God's people, are cultivating this culture of God's inheritance, that we are creating, helping create these legacies for years and years to come. So at Echo, we want to remember a couple things when it comes um, to our families, and that is that our children are not our own. They are a gift from God. 
Therefore, we understand that we, are, again, are called to cultivate this environment for our children. Biblically, we see the examples that we are called to give God our children and that in return, we believe God will give them back to us so that we are no longer owners, but managers. Yes? Child dedication is inspired by a story in 1 Samuel. Um, it centers around a woman named Hannah. She was barren, unable to have a child for years and years and years, and she prayed. She said, God, give me a child. I promise, God, if you give me a child, I will give him back to you. And he did. And she did. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. <laughs> this small action of Hannah, this actually led to Mary and Joseph dedicating Jesus at the temple when he was born. So today, at Echo, right? thousands and thousands of years later, <laughs> at our humble 9 a.m. service, we are going to try to follow our best, that biblical example, and dedicate our children to God. Amen. All right, and at this time, I would like the parents here to just repeat after me if you agree with these statements saying, we do, okay? We, we publicly declare that we trust God with our children. If you agree with me, say, we do. We publicly declare that we are committed to cultivate and care for our children and model Christ-like faith. If you, if you agree with me, repeat, we do. We do. Church body, this is where you come in if you want to say after me, we do. We're asking you, Echo Church, to commit to praying for these children. When you see them, say a little prayer. Encourage the parents when you see them walking in. If they come on your heart and you think about them, send them a text message. See if they need anything. And Echo Church at this time, we will help with this task by supporting these children as they are raised up here at Echo. If you, if you agree with me, say we do. All right, and then everyone in the room, if you agree that we are blessing these children as Jesus's children and that they are a gift from God, please repeat with saying we do. All right. So good. So I'm going to read off every child's name that we are dedicating today. And as we do that, if all of the staff and volunteer, volunteer staff, if you could come forward. Families, if you could take a couple steps forward, the staff is actually going to come behind you as we pray. So just a few steps forward so they can fit. Perfect. So God, today we dedicate Jude, Forrest Jonathan, Haven May, Leighton May, Bryn Lena, Nora Jean, Molly Ann, and Hank James. Hotland Grace, Harper, Finley, Kimari Elliott, and Ariel Green. God, thank you so much for these families. Lord, thank you for these beautiful little miracles in front of us. God, we pray that their hearts grow closer and closer to you every single day. That because of you, they have breath in their lungs. That because of you, they have purpose. Because of you, they have joy. Because of you, they have peace. God, help us as a church do what we need to do to curate these children of tomorrow. God, help us raise up these legacies. God, help us set them apart for your goodness. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Let's hear it for all the families. Christy and I are outside of the yard, a baseball training indoor facility. And we're going to go see Coach Wade to see if he can help us, number one, with our baseball skills, and number two, with our relationship. Yeah. So let's follow Christy and see what she's going to teach us this morning. Yeah, profesh. Coach Wade! Hey, play ball. You need a baseball cap. You gotta have a baseball cap. Can I wear right. backwards or forwards? You know, if King Griffey Jr. wore backwards, so you could do that. He's, he's legit. Yep, that's the new modern player, but you know, old play schoolers don't. Yeah, played for the Twins. He didn't play for the Twins. Yeah, but that's all right. Rumor has it you throw really hard. Yeah. Is that true? <laughs> I have not played catch since probably 1992. That's all right. Are you ready? To go easy, underhand to start. Just a little oh, okay. We, we will we will break it in. Are you ready? Okay. Hey, look at that. I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> this is called a pearl. That's, that is a pearl. It's a pearl. That's what they call them. Oh. 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 <laughs> I'm sweating again. Is it? Oh, there you go. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Now let's play a little catch. I'm gonna teach you how to pitch. I've never, I don't think I've ever done this. We're gonna see how hard you throw. So big leaguers, they throw 95 and above. You know, a lot of pitchers throw over 100 miles an hour now. Think about that, okay. 100 miles an hour, right? We're gonna see how hard you throw. How hard do you think you throw? 30. 
30. 15. So, and we're gonna start you off at what, age 10 you? That's that first plate? Age 10 you. Yeah, that would be our nine year olds. And I can't say I've ever seen anybody pitch in Birkenstocks. No, nope, this is my game gear. That is the game gear. So we'll, we'll go with that, all right? Okay, so I'm- Cause then I'm gonna radar gun you eventually. Do I lift you. up? So when you lift up, hey, you lift up, you drop down and drive out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What leg am I lifting? This leg I'm lifting. Yep, yep. and then you're dropping down. <laughs> are you why, ready? Why are you laughing, coach? Okay, that's true. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. So I squat? No. <laughs> you, you get a little bend. We don't squat. We're not squatters. Pop a squat? Yep. yep, then drive. Good throw. Good throw. Oh. Just a bit outside. You're not allowed to show that. Only the winning ones. I know you. Okay, still sweating in my sweater. <laughs> okay, my back, my lower back is the issue of my body and it hurts right now from birthing children, which is harder than this. <laughs> okay, here we go. 29. Yep, go. 27. <laughs> 27. Get them all ready. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. No, no, then I gotta run back over there. Okay, okay. okay. I gotta You're doing it. great, coach. There it is, 34. I could tell. You know why I could tell? Your motion was faster, meaning you started to go forward and your motion was faster. Come on, 35. We're not quitting though at 35. Okay. Ready? Come on. 33. All right, we're quitting because she's not getting any better. She's not getting any better. But it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, a lot of nine-year-olds would be very envious of you right now. <laughs> Thank you. And you could throw some strikes. You know, I think I think one of the things that I see is everybody's so focused on throwing the baseball hard now, right? Everybody wants to throw 100 miles an hour. One of the most successful pitchers was Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox, when he first came up, he threw mid-90s. When he became really successful, he was throwing in the 90s, lower. But his ball moved, he was smarter, he really learned how to pitch and articulate. Mm -hmm. But I think there's this manliness of I throw 100 miles an hour. And I always kid, you know, kids that when I coach, if they see a kid that throws, you know, 30 miles an hour lofting, and they'll go, oh, I'm gonna have a great day, I'm gonna dominate. And the reality is, then they go 0 for 3 and they struggle and they wonder why. Because that kid was honest with himself to recognize his skill set and utilized it to his best advantage. And I think that's important sometimes. You know, we have to be realistic about our expectations. And I think some of the most mature pitchers, even at the big league level, at different levels, you can tell that they understand who they are, what they have as gifts, and then they maximize those gifts. You know, I mean, maybe you don't want to be a major league pitcher, right? Who knows? Um, but you'd be a dominant 12U, 9U, 10U, 12U pitcher. I do know that. We, What's you? Uh, 12 and under, 10 and under. Okay. Yeah. So. You know, <laughs> but that's all right. That doesn't matter. We just want to say thank you, Coach Wade, for letting us come yeah. out to the yard and try something new. Yeah. Um, I actually really enjoyed throwing throwing a ball around for the first time. And you hit better than all of us. You swung once and you got a hit. So you're, you're hitting a thousand. Thanks, thanks for that affirmation. At, when you get home, you can tell Pastor Andy, I'm hitting a thousand. You missed a few. No, not really. But hey, we, we, we want to go into the next uh, really few weeks and talk about relationships. And the first thing we just want to uh, acknowledge is relationships aren't that simple. Anybody agree with me? Neither is baseball. <laughs> Any baseball fans in the room? No, none. Two of them. Perfect. Some closet but, baseball fans. But we have been preparing for this series and Andy and I are extremely passionate about what we're going to be unpacking in the next month because bottom line whether you are married you are single you have family you go to work every day you have neighbors we're all in relationship yeah and i think that we all have an opportunity to evaluate our life check in and see where we're at and i think there's always an opportunity and room for growth do you agree yes 
And so our heart at this point is just to unpack while using some fun baseball analogies and some fun puns and laugh along the way, but to challenge you where maybe a month out, you are looking at your life and you see an opportunity for growth. You see an opportunity to evaluate. And our biggest goal today is that we want to welcome you guys in and invite you in to the game, to, uh, to welcome you on the field because all of us, we could be sitting in a bleachers, we can be watching a game from a screen or whatever, however you like to watch a game, but God wants us to enter that field. It's an invitation to be challenged today, to play the game, to work hard because it's worth it. Yes, we want to walk onto the field and we want to win in our relationships. Can I hear an amen? And so that's, that's what the whole idea of this series is all about. Uh, but one of the things that I want to bring up is when we get onto the field, one of the things that we need to figure out right away is who else is on the field with us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you've played baseball, if you've played softball, it's important to know who your teammates are. Can I hear an amen? It's important to begin to understand who they are. It's, be, it's, it's important to understand the relational dynamics that you have with those people. And I think in life, if we're being honest, uh, from time to time, we need to reevaluate our relationships. And we need to ask ourselves, as the managers of who's on the field with us, is who is going to stay on the field with us? And what are they into our life? And let me just, just you know, because I like saying words with the same letter. Let me just tell you three of those types of people that are in our life, in every single one of our lives. Just like Christy said, no matter if you're married or you're single, you're a high school player, you're a high school um, uh, student, um, we all have a, we have fans in our life. We have friends in our life and we have foes in our life. And the question is, is who is going to, who are we going to allow to stay on that field? Now, I couldn't imagine, honestly, I could not imagine dating today because there's, there's, there's apps out there and it seems to be, it almost positions you to step into relationships and to dating relationships. Like you've got to first become a fan of someone in order to let them walk onto your field. Y'all get what I'm saying? I mean, that, I can't imagine that being easy at all. I also understand that there are some people in here and uh, you've got some people on your field that are on your team, but they don't really feel like they're teammates. They feel like foes. So you're not fighting with them, you're fighting against them. Okay, well, that's the worst pace to raise your hand or say amen. But the reality is we all have those types of people in our life. And, and really what I wanna do is, is really challenge us to, to uh, to really look at those relationships and ask ourselves this, is this relationship a relationship that is so toxic that we might need to walk away for a time or do we need to begin to war with them yeah. and to war for them? And then lastly is like, man, who's on our team? Are they our teammate? Are they our friend? And, and will we adopt the definition of what a true friend is in scripture? And that is that there is no greater love than the laid your life down for a friend. And that's the type of teammate that I believe that God wants to have on our field, into our life and into our relationships. If you have your Bibles, open up to Psalms 131. I love how it says this, and it's a very short Psalm, but it says, how wonderful and how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. Yeah. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I mean, just rephrase it like this. How wonderful and how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along in your family yeah. on the way to church. Right. How wonderful and beautiful it is when you invite your family to child dedication and you all get along. <laughs> I mean, it is a beautiful thing to find, and, and find unity. To, to find focus together. But, but just listen to how it says in the very next verse, it says this, it's like costly anointing. It's like costly anointing oil that flow, flows down the head and the beard. I wanna tell you this, is if you're gonna walk into wonderful and beautiful relationships where all, you're all gonna get along, it's gonna cost you something. 
It's going to cost you something. And this is flowing down Aaron's beard, flowing down the collar of his priestly robe. It's this image of this oil, not just running in just a specific area in the life, but all the areas of one's life and all the areas of their relationships. And then it says, it's like the dew of Mount Hermon flowing down the slopes of Zion. And it says this, yes, that's where God's commands or that's where God commands blessing and ordains eternal life. See, I find that the blessing of life, the joy of life is found when we all get along when we can find unity, when we can look at our friends, we can look at our fans, we can look at our foes and find reconciliation, restoration and get onto the same team and to get on the field and do this together. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I believe unity is a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful place and it's a place of blessing. But like I wanna remind you is this, it will cost you something. See, we were all wired to win. Can we just have a moment? We're going to confess a few things. We're going to show you that we are human, okay? And we're actually humans that probably shouldn't even be on the stage talking about this stuff. But we're all wired to win. I mean, how many of you in a relationship, man, you got an argument lately that you wanted to win and your significant other or your friend, man, you were focused and making, you were going to make sure that they were going to lose that argument. Okay, no one's, okay, I see that one hand. Okay, free coffee for you later. We fight and we, 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 we fight so hard because we're wired to survive. It's just within us. So really what I want to say is this, is, is may a day like today be a reminder that we're wearing the same jersey, that we're on the same team, that Romeo is on the field here with us. Seriously though, Andy and I, These jerseys are very symbolic. You know, yes, they're cool. They're cute. But it's really easy. We've been married 16 years, and there are days where I feel like we're on opposite teams. We're doing our own thing. I feel like he's the coach, and I'm on the team, and I get defensive, which we'll unpack a little later. But I think it's just some of us aren't even wearing our jerseys. Some of us have just put them away and said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. But for us of that symbolic visual that we are on the same team, that we believe the best in each other, that I am called to encourage people on my team. And sometimes it's us, you know, getting and rallying around people and inviting them onto the field. And yes, this is for you, but who are you called to invite on the field today? Absolutely. So here's the deal. Show me people on a team and I'll show you passion and I'll show you drive and I'll show you purpose. And if you ever been on a winning team, you would understand that, that it didn't always feel like you were winning. In fact, to be able to get to the place where you're going to win, you're going to have to fight a little bit. And I think in today's culture, when we hear the word fight, uh, we, we kind of put up the wall up or we think that that's a really bad thing. But I, I just, I would just say this is show me two people that are winning and I guarantee you they've been fighting, but they've been doing this. They've been fighting fairly. They're fighting for the right thing. And so today what we want to do is just leverage a resource that a man named John Gottman has written about the four horsemen of conflict. What's interesting about it is he has mirrored it off and, 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 and kind of metaphorically taken the example out of the Bible in Revelation about the four, four horsemen of the apocalypse. Everybody go, ha, 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 ha. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so these, these horses in Revelation, man, they're sent into a social uh, form and formation to destroy it. And so what, what Dr. John Gottman has done is he has made, and he's, he's, he's in his study, has, have defined four things that will absolutely destroy your relationship, will almost guarantee divorce or breakup if you have these things consistency, you know, consistently in your life. And so today, it's all about revealing. It's, it's to reveal that, that, uh, that when we fight, when we have this passion, when we have this drive in relationship, that that's not bad, but we need to learn to focus that drive, to focus that, uh, that, those energy. And so I just was thinking about this with baseball. 
most of us are familiar with baseball. We became familiar with baseball because we've seen it on TV or we've played catch with, with uh, maybe our mom or our dad, our grandma, our grandpa or friends. Uh, but I was just thinking about it. Like if we were to go to a country that have never, like a, a person group that have never seen baseball, how would they respond? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, think about the pitcher and the catcher. If they were sitting in the, in the what are those called, bleachers? bleachers. I'm a big baseball fanatic here. <laughs> uh, I knew they were bleachers. Uh, stop judging me. Uh, I played Little League for seven years. Okay, I don't even say it. Um, I'm a professional. Uh, but imagine them watching the game of baseball for the very first time and what they would think when they see a pitcher throw his heart at someone's face as possible. And how if you're looking at it, you're trying to interpret something you don't quite understand as two people trying to actually accomplish something together. I'd actually would just tell you that in that illustration, the person who've never seen baseball played before, they probably would look at it and go like, man, it looks like they're trying to kill each other. But really, they're strategically trying to fight with each other. And that's the same thing for us. And so what we want to do is just reveal some of those conflicts and and strategies we use that will absolutely destroy uh, the successful fight when we're fighting for each other. We learned Dr. Gottman says that 69% of conflicts don't have a right answer. Would you guys agree with that? Think about your conflicts. (laughs) I think a lot of times we're focused on who's right. I'm right, you're wrong. And so we're going to break down four points today, and maybe you'll identify with all four. Maybe you'll identify with one of them. But I think a lot of times that we can get caught up in the argument and get stuck in the winning. I know for me, I really like to win. A lot of you know that. And so a lot of our conflicts, it's... we, get it, we start the conflict, and then I for, even forget why we started arguing or disagreeing, and I'm just hung up on, I need to win. And so, first one is... So, we're, we're here, this is us trying to learn how to play catch. Yes, properly. Okay, this is, this is the pitcher and the catcher. Whatever relationships in your mind, if some of these uh, things are going to kind of like... Yeah put the light bulb on top of your head. These may be indicators where you need to maybe redefine your health or your strategy in playing catch with your relationships, metaphorically And these these four principles will end up destroying your relationship. Maybe they have destroyed relationships in the past as we talk about these, or you'll feel defeated, but there's hope. So don't be too discouraged. The first one is criticism. Criticism attacks the character other recipient, instead of focusing on the behavior. Hmm. I'm perfect, you are defective. Yeah, I'm guilty. How are you guilty? I'm guilty. (laughs) Does anybody agree with me that criticism just comes so natural? Yeah. And when I read that, when I was doing this study, is that I'm perfect and you are defective. That when I criticize Christy, that's not my hope, that when I bring up a criticism, um, that it's, it's, it's not my point. But I think we all need to look in the mirror and begin to realize that, that when we start criticizing one another, uh, that really what we're doing is we're kind of putting ourselves on a pedestal and you're bringing the other person lower than lower than um, you. So it's easy for me to criticize Christy in, in some areas of her life. And they're very difficult uh, for me to, to, to even bring up. Because I, I would like to be an encourager, but it's just so easy to just look at situations and, and, uh, and, and even though I'm not judging her character and I don't want to sound as if I am, I know that that's how she can perceive it. I remember when I was in college and I had gotten in trouble with student life there and I was sitting in with my authority and one of the authority figures looked at me and said something like this, to think I almost picked you as a resident advisor. 
Yes, that was a statement. Yes, it was criticism. But truly what I felt was that it was an attack on my character. We got to be careful with criticism. It's, it's uh, easier said than done, figuring out a healthy way to do it. There is an antidote to that. And one of the antidotes is, is using I statements and then express a positive need. An I statement with feelings then presents a positive need. I'm telling you what, I need to learn how to do that better. Y'all looking at me like I'm the only weirdo in the, in the house. Y'all guilty just like I am. I think if one example that Andy and I have would be a reoccurring discussion or disagreement is on finances. Mm. Anyone relate? Any finances? No, only us. So for us, it's, it can, he can come in, go on the you, 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 and I immediately get defensive as well versus the, hey, I would really like to discuss our finances because I prioritize and I want to have goals and I care about our family. Do you think we could set up a time? I think a lot of times it's, it's the approach. We're not telling you just to shut down and not talk about things, but it's the delivery and it's the thinking things through and trying to have a filter or a siphon b- yep. versus just blurting things out and not thinking there's going to be consequences and honestly destruction. So for us, I know for, for me, I can come in, that's a sensitive subject for me is finances, but if he's coming in and I feel like he's on my team versus condemning me, I'm way more open to talk about it. So. The second one is, is uh, indicators of, of maybe unhealthy. Contempt. Yeah, unhealthy relational fighting uh, yeah. or discussions is contempt. Yeah. As we have contempt in our, in our relationship. Chrissy, what are you one, This one's, I think, packed with a lot of different things. If you don't understand what contempt is when you hear it, it shows up in statements that come from a position of moral superiority. So you're acting like you're higher than the other person. So it can look like sarcasm, um, mumbling under your breath, Sneers, like you're sneering, some eye rolling. We got any eye rollers in here? Um, mockery, hostile humor, and name calling. And I think this one out of all of them is the most destructive and the most defeating. And what happens is these are patterns that can show up in relationships. And so there is hope to stop those patterns, but it's just stopping and evaluating. I know for me, I'll be honest here. When I show contempt, I have a, a um, tone, like a voice that I've started where I'll like talk, like maybe if any of you do this, so I'll have an Andy voice. So I'll be like, oh, but, 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 uh, like, <laughs> so, I'll, but it's mocking. I'm mocking, I'm talking under my breath, and then I'm having this weird masculine voice for my husband. I do it, <laughs> anyone? Just me? And so it's like this mumbling, like I'm saying it, but I'm not saying it to your face, but I'm walking away. Um, for me, it shows up, I like control. And so it's coming up with under the breath, the mockery, eye rolling. I mean, sometimes this can be all the things, but it's stopping and evaluating and saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. And owning it too, for me saying, this is, this is not okay and I'm sorry. I think humility is one thing that we really want to challenge you guys with. I think contempt is like the iceberg illustration. Yes. We see it in sarcasm. We see it in Christie's manly mocking voice. <laughs> We, we, we see it in the eye roll, the, the speaking quietly under your breath, um, acting as if no one else hears it. But the truth is, it's contentment. It, it, it's what's beginning to erode your relationships. There's studies that show that actually contentment can begin to erode your immune system. They can begin to physically affect you. And so the antidote to contentment is to build a culture of appreciation. And here's a big word, respect for your relationships. Do you respect your relationships enough to hold back that sarcastic tone? Do you respect your relationship enough to maybe keep your physical posture in a healthy space and and truly listen and encourage the one that's sitting next to you? That's good. I think too of the culture of appreciation. I know for me when I've ran my mouth or I've said things that I don't mean, even for sure with the respect thing of humiliating, it's humiliating and it humiliates Andy, especially in public. 
but voicing that that's not okay and apologizing and honoring him. Because the opposite of all of this is honor. And I just think that we want to be a culture of honor and recognizing it and saying, I need help. And so even I've noticed it with some of my closest girlfriends where we've apologized in front. Like, I'm sorry that I vented about that. Or just like being honoring, like, I want to honor my husband. I want to honor my friends and my family, the people that are the most important to me. All right, number three is defensiveness. Defensiveness can be defined as self-protection in the form of righteous indignation or innocent. Big word for this one is you go immediately into victimhood. It's an attempt to ward off the perceived attack. Defensiveness is really a way of blaming your partner. Okay, so, so when you are attacked in a relationship and someone comes and addresses one of your issues, a lot of us, we will take, I mean, think about baseball, right? We will take that defensive stance to win, to, to play it out correctly. But what happens in your defensiveness is you begin to blame the issue upon someone else. So for instance, when Christy and I talked about our finances just this weekend, uh, you know, I'd like to blame the devil, but let's be honest, blame me. <laughs> when we brought it up, it didn't go well. But what happened is when I brought it up, Christy, for good reason, got into a defensive st stance. And her defensive stance is this. This is not the right time. This is not the right place. And this is not in the right voice. Do you see how that projects the issue back onto me? And so defensiveness, if we're not careful, that's all it is. It's a, it's a, it's a game of ping pong. And you're not going to accomplish anything. And so, so to, to go ahead and, and to to override and to, to beat defensiveness, we need to accept responsibility. Even if it's only a part of the conflict, we need to be humble people. We need to begin to go, okay, you know what? I can make this better by just admitting that I'm wrong. Anybody in the room here, like, come on, confession is good to your soul. You can see it here today. We're, we're our soul is so good after today, it's gonna be ridiculous. <laughs> How many of you have been defensive and it's hard to admit blame. Yeah, I know, I know how it is. I think too, it can be a trigger. I was telling Andy, I think a lot of times maybe you've had a rough past or a hard childhood or you've, you've, you had a relationship where that was your coping mechanism was to get defensive. And so I think it's just understanding, like looking through, we've been discussing a lot on your story, your life, looking at your life and understanding things. And so for me, of going, why do I get so defensive? So yes, we talked, we're using finance as an example because that's a hot topic in our relationship. But it's, I found myself getting defensive. It wasn't the right time, but coming back, just yesterday saying, Andy, let's prioritize a time and let's sit down and let's be prepared to walk into this conversation. Because I think anything, when it's a conflict, when it's a big thing that you want to discuss with a friend, a coworker, a family member, you prioritize and you schedule it. We schedule everything in our life. So schedule those hard conversations. You know, and even if you're in that minute moment where you're reacting or you see something, but just like, hey, like, I want to talk about this later. And I think I see defensiveness can show up really easily in re work relationships where maybe you get talked to or you get an email sent out or like, hey, we want everyone to do this. Or I've seen that you have, you know, if you've been, if someone's talking to you about something that they want to add to your plate or that you're slacking off in or whatnot, it's very easy for us just to be like, well, so-and-so is not doing it or so-and-so. And you just like point that blame and you get defensive, but it's evaluating and taking full ownership and full responsibility because bottom line is God's given all of us responsibilities, right? And especially to tend to the relationships that are the most important to us. When you become defensive, you, would, you sit into a, you, you actually place yourself onto the victim seat. Now, I know some of us, we have been wronged when we were young. We've been wronged yesterday. I get that. Some of us are truly victims, but I want, and I've been doing the men's Bible study, and one of the things that the Lord has been revealing to our table community on Thursday nights is this. There is a process that we just kind of fall into and just think it's okay to stay in, and that's this. We start with an idea, we step into sin, we experience shame, and then we, guess what happens? We stepped into victimhood. 
And when we're okay with staying in the seat of victimhood, we become powerless. And in that state, we will always be defensive. We'll always be defensive. And I'm telling you what, if we're going to have winning relationships, we've got to push past the victim state that when we're in and work together to be on the same team. Can I hear an amen? The last one here. It's called stonewalling. Stonewalling looks like this. It's when someone completely withdraws from a conflict discussion and no longer responds to the partner. So just envision yourself shutting down fully. You're not, you're feeling flooded, emotionally overwhelmed. So your reaction is to shut down, stop talking and disengage. A lot of times I see people grab their phone and they just, they're in the room and they're just doing this. Like I'm here, but I'm tuning you out. Or maybe you're physically even walking away. I think a lot of times that this one, I see a lot of past trauma and that's the only way you know how to cope. I know if you struggle with this, I've stonewalled at points in my life, especially with my family and with Andy. And I've said, even recently, I'm like, when you see me shut down or if I, sometimes I need a timeout though. Sometimes we need healthy timeouts. And so it's just me taking a pause, but I'm going to go pause. I'm going to go and pray or I'm going to go on a walk, but I want to, and sometimes I'll take my phone with me. I'll go on a walk and tell Andy, when I get home, I want to follow up. I want to talk about this and identifying when I stonewall. I don't want him to have to chase me down, but sometimes I need him just to come and say, I love you for who you are. Let's talk about this. And so if you are that person who stonewalls or you're in a relationship with someone, ask, what can I do to help you when this happens? Because I think that you're showing that you're on the same team then. And even if you're at your worst, what can I do to help you? And here's the thing with stonewalling. We want to avoid thoughts of righteous indignation. That What that means is like saying things in your head maybe or out loud is, I don't have to take this anymore. Why is he always picking on me? You know, we get into the always and never statements. The antidote is to take a break, like I said. It should only last 20 minutes because it'll take that long for your body to actually calm down. So if you're highly elevated, maybe it's anger, rage, maybe it's complete shutdown, but just take 20 minutes and verbally say that. I'm not walking away because I'm like, I'm giving up. I'm walking away because I just need 20 minutes to breathe. And so can you just respect that and I'll come back. And so for me, I do, I'll use my phone and say, I'll be back. I'm going on a walk or I like to take a bath or whatever it is. Mom, time out. I do it with my kids. Mom needs a time out. But here's the thing. We want to challenge you to spend time doing something positive that will help calm me down. So whatever that is, communicate those things to get past because so you can break those cycles. So you can break that repetition that has showed up in your relationship. After Christy and I's financial argument, discussion, if it makes you feel better. We were, it just, we pressed pause. I want to let you know it's okay to stop. It's not okay to stonewall. And you know what I did? I went outside and I started burning things. (laughs) True story. I don't want to tell you that that's what I did. And I pulled weeds. She pulled weeds. I burned the fire. It's a beautiful thing. Is this good stuff? Is this, do you think this is helpful? I mean, because if we're going to win, we got to learn how to fight fair. None of this under the table stuff. None of this looking the other way. Let's, let's break some old habits and let's move into our relationships, understanding that there's beauty in front of us that the Lord ordains unity. He ordains some of those lifelong fights that you've had to become like healthy, to actually figure out what it's all about, to get to the bottom of the iceberg. Band, you guys can come up and just in closure, uh, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, I think is a great image and a reminder And the reason why we have hope, it says, you are God's house. Look at your your significant other and say, you are God's house. And using the gift that God gave me, using the gift that God gave me as a good architect, I designed the blueprints. This is the writer saying this. Then it says, Apollos is putting up the walls. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care of the building 
building the foundation. And remember, there's only one foundation, one that's already built and his name is Jesus. You play a part in your relationships. Some of you are building, some of you are constructing in different areas, but it's Jesus who's going to help us with this. And I love it how it says this, if you use cheap and inferior materials, you will be found out. The inspection will be through and rigorous. You won't get by with, with a thing. If you work, if your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn down and you will have to start over. But you won't be torn out. You will survive, not just barely, you will stand above. And I just wanna challenge every single person in this room, if you are single right now, or maybe you've had a recent breakup or you've gone through something traumatic even in this season, I just want to encourage you today to use this season, use even this sermon series to equip you for training. Use this time. If I could have gone back to Christy pre-marriage, I would have read more books. Pod Podcasts weren't around then, but podcasted. Have mentors, have friends. Just like develop yourself, train, practice, get on the field, be around people who inspire you and challenge you. Because I just think that we are, we've never arrived, that God is calling us to build ourselves up, but build up others and build this team through building our relationships. And so we just, we're really excited to unpack this in the next month, but let's look at our lives and evaluate today. Yeah, just with Christy addressing some of the singles in this room, you realize that marriage isn't the goal. <laughs> That's not like the perfect picture. You know what I'm saying? Some people have the gift of singleness and we need to celebrate them as well. The goal isn't marriage. The goalness is wholeness and health in your relationships. And we can have it. And I'll tell you why. It's because you need to realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God. You are the temple of God and God himself is present in you. And that's the way, that's the reason why we all have hope walking in here today. Some of your relationships, man, they're in tough spaces. But today is a day where we get a fresh start. And that fresh start is looking in the mirror and going, God, you know what? I don't have this figured out, but you do. And I'm gonna put you in the center of my life understanding that you can make me whole. And as I walk into my broken relationships, I believe you can make us whole. Can I hear an amen? amen. Will you stand up today? As we do every week, we pray this prayer as a reminder that we cannot do life alone, but we need Jesus. Let's pray this together. Christy, would you lead us? Jesus, I surrender. I have, I have more, more questions, questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me. In Jesus' name, in his authority, amen. Jesus, today we lift up our relationships. God, I just sense that today for some of us, we, it's been revealed to us on who's on the field with us. And today's the day where we make foes friends. God, that some relationships that God, we, we're looking as fans, God, that you, God, are making it clear today that maybe we don't invite them onto the team quite yet. Maybe for others, we invite them in. God, I just ask that you would begin to reveal in our hearts, God, the relationships that you want us to invest in, the relationships that need to invest in us. God, may we be in this to win it in your name, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. And everybody said, amen.
today. Today's message kind of hit me in the heart. 
and I'm guessing some of you guys too. And I've, I've been looking over these words. I took a picture when it was up there, the four horsemen of conflict, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. You know what's funny? I only do those things with people I care about. It's never like the random person that, I mean, you can shrug off somebody you don't care about, like it's no big deal. But when you get a little offense, you get a little bit hurt and what do we respond with? Now I'm proud of our pastors for being willing to come up here and be transparent. I love that you guys live the same life on stage as you do out there. I think that's a powerful thing. Yeah, I think we can clap for that. I think that's good. It's a powerful thing to be reminded that you're not the only relationship that has hard times. It's, it's interesting to me that we can feel defeated when we feel we're on an island. But when we know there are other people out there that are still struggling, but pursuing better, we're better off. I heard a pastor say a couple weeks ago, if you're still fighting, there is hope. I just wanna say that out there. If there's somebody out there that's really struggling and you guys are at the end of your rope, but you're still fighting, that means there's hope. That means you haven't given up. So I just wanna, man, be encouraged. Take a step forward, take one of these ideas and get them out of your life. I'm guessing some of these stuck out to you more than others, but man, I was thinking about the fact that in every relationship, I judge everybody else on what they do and I judge myself on my motives. Not on what I do, but on what I think, what I mean, what I feel, but I judge everybody else on what comes out. What if we just took a second and started to look at everybody else the same way we looked at ourselves? Trusted the motives of the people we love and care about. Just something that really stuck hard to me. Guys, today is, there's a couple groups of people that we just have to celebrate every single week. It's such an incredible honor to be here at Echo. Let's celebrate some new people to Echo. Thanks for being here this week. That's awesome.